Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. The Oscars are over, but I still have the accoutrement behind me here on the set. I'll be switching all that stuff out soon, but I decided to keep it up for another day. But Charts wait for no man, so I'm right back at it to talk about the box office this past weekend, this past Oscar weekend, Scream making a franchise best debut, the continued performance of Creed 3. We'll have an Ant-Man and the Wasp update. There's so much to get to. Before we do any of that, though, of course, as always, I'm going to thank my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. And Carbon Health has been rolling out a lot of great stuff lately, including Connected Health, which is part of their primary care service. It's the idea that health isn't just about your body, but also about your mind, which is why so many of Carbon Health's primary care providers now also come connected with mental health services. And those primary care services are available in California. They're rolling out in Massachusetts, and they're hoping to roll out elsewhere in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Of course, all Carbon Health locations do what they've always done, including urgent care, COVID flu and RSV testing and vaccinations. And you can also use their app to do virtual care in case you can't make it out to a Carbon Health location. I'm happy to have Carbon Health on board with the show because I believe in what they're doing, which is to make healthcare as accessible to as many people as possible, as affordably as possible. So thank you as always to my partners at Carbon Health. You can find out more about them down in the description below. And let's look at the box office for this past weekend, where we had for the second consecutive weekend, a movie that set a franchise best weekend debut. This time it was Scream 6, which debuted to $44.4 million domestically. We'll see how that stacks up against the other films in the Scream franchise very soon. But a strong opening, and again for a second consecutive weekend, a movie where the estimates kept going up every time that they were updating the numbers throughout the weekend. So some great signs for robust movie going here in March already, just through two weekends. In its second weekend, Creed 3 dropping 53.3%. That's about where you would want for a movie of its size that debuted to the number that it did. A $27.2 million second weekend. In third place is the film 65, which while not an incredibly impressive debut, still debuted higher than the estimates had been. So even that movie outperformed its estimates. $12.3 million in in third place. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was bumped down to fourth place, a 44.3% drop in its fourth week for $7.1 million total. And then Cocaine Bear in week three drops 43.9% for an 8.4 million dollar total. Looking at number six through ten, the Woody Harrelson Sports Comedy Champions debuts outside of the top five with a $5.1 million total. Jesus Revolution still hanging around, a 39.7% drop in its third week with a $5.1 million total. Avatar the Way of Water still hanging on in the top 10 in its 13th week of release, a 27.2% drop. That's the best hold by percentage of any film in the top 10 for a $2.6 million total. This is an estimated number because for some reason, the second weekend of Demon Slayer to the Swordsmith Village was excluded from the coverage, the box office coverage of the two big resources that I look at for box office numbers. I found this through other reporting. So this $1.9 million is an estimated total that I found elsewhere, but a big drop as we have seen for a lot of these anime titles in Weekend 2, an 81.2% drop and a number 9 finish for Demon Slayer to the Swordsmith Village, a $1.9 million estimated total, and then still hanging around the top 10, Puss in Boots The Last Wish in its 12th week of release, a 36.2% drop, and another $1.7 million added to the domestic total. Dropping out of the top 10 this weekend after 5 weeks, 80 for Brady, after 4 weeks, Magic Mike's Last Dance, and after 1 week, sadly, for Guy Ritchie fans, 
Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. It was a very accelerated domestic timeline when it came to release, and so it did not have a huge debut and did not stick around the top 10 for very long. When we look at the road to recovery, we continue to blaze a trail between the blue line there, which is the average from 2015 to 2019, and the red line, which is the average of the weekends in 2021 and 2022 when theaters were opening, although we're still inching a little bit closer to that blue line and significantly outperforming where theaters have been the last couple of years. So we continue to see this trend where we are not where we were by any means, but we are continuing to improve on the performances from the last couple of years. We'll see if Shazam! Fury of the Gods moves the needle. I don't think we're going to get anywhere down near that red line, but I also don't know if we're going to get up near the blue line, given the estimates for Fury of the Gods this upcoming weekend. So I mentioned that Scream 6 set a franchise record for opening weekend, and let's look at what the top five Scream franchise opening weekends are. And it was by about $10 million that Scream 6 was able to set this record. $44.4 million, good enough for the best opening in franchise history. That outdoes Scream 3's opening back in April of 2000 with $34.7 million. Then we had the opening of Scream 2 in 1997 with $32.9 million. Then last year's Scream, which opened in early January, and you see a, almost a $15 million improvement between last year's Scream and this year's. And then at number four is Scream 4, which opened back in April of 2011 with $18.6 million. The original Scream actually didn't open very well, even if you look at it inflation adjusted. It was a very slow burn, but the original Scream was also one of those movies that opened low, but really played for a very long time. It took people a while to find that movie, but once they did, it became a very, very big hit. Of course, any Anytime we have a franchise like Scream that's been around for so long, we do what kids adjust for inflation. And when you adjust those numbers for inflation, Scream 2 actually edges out the top opening in franchise history with a $61.3 million opening back in December of 1997 that just edges out Scream 3's $60.3 million opening adjusted for inflation back in the year 2000. But Scream 6, still good enough for number three with $44.4 million, a slight adjustment for last year's Scream at $30.6 million, and Scream 4 still in that number 5 spot at $24.8 million. Now, there was a new feature that I introduced last week when we were talking about Creed 3, and that is the Franchise Tracker. And we have three of them, three different franchises to track this week, so let's get right to it. And this is the debut of the Scream Franchise Tracker by Domestic Gross, not adjusted for inflation. And you see, in just one weekend, Scream 6 has already surpassed past the domestic total of Scream 4 back in 2011, which looked like it had killed the franchise off for good, although I think a lot of people have come around on that film, including me. So Scream 6 is already the fifth highest grossing film out of the six Scream films that were released domestically. It's got about $37.1 million to go before it overtakes last year's Scream, but given the strength of its opening, I think it's a pretty safe bet that it's going to do that and may well be headed for a $100 million domestic total. We're just going to have to see how front-loaded the movie is. When we track the franchise by domestic gross adjusted for inflation, it hasn't quite passed Scream 4's total yet, although it will in the next couple days. So right now it is the lowest grossing Scream film adjusted for inflation, but only about $6.3 million to go before it moves up into that fifth spot. And again, not a whole lot more to go after that to surpass 2022 Scream. But when you look at the other films adjusted for inflation, Scream 3, a $154.8 million grosser adjusted for inflation, Scream 2, grossing $188.8 $9 million. And as I mentioned with the original Scream, it was a low opening, but it really tracked well. Adjusted for inflation, the original Scream film made 
$4 million domestically. That is pretty impressive. And then when we look at the franchise by worldwide gross, again, Scream 6 has not surpassed the worldwide gross of Scream 4 yet. It's about $28.9 million short, but should it do that, and I think it's going to probably in the next week or so, then it will start trying to surpass the $138.8 million worldwide gross of 2022 Scream. And then it doesn't really have a whole lot more work to do to get up into the top two or three. It just depends on how good these legs are. What's the word of mouth? It seemed like the word of mouth was fairly good on this film. We'll just have to see what audiences do in the next week or two. It's a very, very busy march at the box office. There's a lot of box office competition, so who knows just how many people are going to make room in their schedules to see Scream 6. A lot of people made room in their schedules, though, to go and see Creed 3 this past weekend. It dropped off, like we mentioned, about 53%, and it's continuing to make inroads when it comes to the Rocky franchise. Now, let's look, first of all, at the Rocky slash Creed franchise tracker by Domestic Gross and Creed has already moved up to number six all time. It has become the sixth Rocky Creed film to pass $100 million domestically, so it has now surpassed the totals of Rocky V, Rocky Balboa, and it is very close to surpassing the domestic total of the original Creed, about $8.3 million away, and look, it's only got about $26 million to go to pass the unadjusted totals of every other film in the Rocky Creed franchise, so unless the bottom absolutely falls out, it'd have to be a pretty stunning collapse by next weekend creed 3 will probably be the highest grossing film in the rocky creed franchise when you don't adjust for inflation of course when you do adjust for inflation a lot of those numbers go up significantly it has still beaten the domestic box office total of Rocky V adjusted for inflation, and it's only about $2.8 million away from beating the adjusted box office total of Rocky Balboa. And then you see that the next films up are Creed II and the original Creed, and I think that it's going to do that for sure, but that's probably where it's going to stop because, again, when you look at those first four Rocky films, the original Rocky with an adjusted box office gross of $616.4 million, $384.8 million for Rocky III, $350 55.5 million for Rocky 4, 351.0 million for Rocky 2. Those are pretty consistent grosses, and we're not going to see Creed 3 get up to that level. But it looks like Creed 3 adjusted for inflation is going to settle out as the highest grossing Creed film and the fifth highest grossing film in the Rocky Creed franchise. And then when we look at this by worldwide gross, and this is what I said last week, I think that this film, Creed 3, was set up for success with its opening on the worldwide stage, maybe better than any other stage. Creed 3 right now is at $179.4 million. It's got about $20.7 million to go before it surpasses the global total of Rocky 2. And I think that it's got a decent shot. I mean, it, it's going to be, I think, the second highest grossing film worldwide in this franchise. And, you know, depending on how it plays around the world, it could maybe take over Rocky IV's spot and become the highest grossing film worldwide, although it'd have a lot of work to do still. This could be a point in a franchise where it's really losing steam, and instead it is picking up momentum, and it's largely because Ryan Coogler and then passing the reins on to Michael B. Jordan and, of course, the team uh, from the second film as well. They really do seem to have won over a new generation of fans to this franchise, the Creed franchise specifically, not the Rocky franchise, and we are now seeing that start to pay off. So a continued... Uh, 
a very strong box office performance for Creed 3, especially when you look at what the budget was for that film. But a movie that's not doing particularly well, when you look at the expectations surrounding it, when you look at its budget and just its performance over the last four weeks, is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I introduced last week a franchise tracker for the entire MCU, and I always you know, read your comments and your suggestions. And one suggestion that I got was to color code the franchise tracker uh, by phase. So each phase has its own color. And I wasn't quite sure. I was like, well, should I do it? Should I not do it? And I said, well, you know what? Let's give it a try. So this week, I have color-coded the MCU franchise tracker. I honestly don't know. I've lost all perspective. This, If this chart is impossible to read, let me know down in the comments below. Maybe we'll go back to where uh, they're not all color-coded by phase. But this was an interesting experiment here. So first of all, this is the franchise tracker for the MCU by domestic gross. You see there the phase one films are in blue. The phase two films are in red. The phase three films are in purple. Phase four is in yellow. And phase five, which there's only one film right now, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, is in green and right now Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania you see right there is the 25th highest grossing film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe it will surpass the gross of Thor the Dark World it'll probably surpass the gross of Ant-Man and the Wasp and it'll get right there up around Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings but I think it's really going to stall out I think really the highest it could go is number 21. It could surpass Doctor Strange's total, but I don't think it's going to get to where Captain America the Winter Soldier is. So I don't think we're going to see an appreciably better performance domestically for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania over the previous film, Ant-Man and the Wasp proper, I guess. And there was, number one, a lot more budget committed to this film, and also storytelling a lot more as far as the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe committed to this movie. So I don't think that that's the result that Marvel wants. When we look at the franchise tracker by domestic gross uh, adjusted for inflation again it's even worse for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania it's hanging out right there above the Incredible Hulk at number 29 it will soon pass Black Widow and then it's probably going to hang out there right around the first Ant-Man Captain America the first Avenger Thor a couple of phase one movies I don't think it's going to do any better than that and I think when you adjust for inflation it's going to come in lower than the box office performance of Ant-Man and the Wasp and that's really not what Marvel wanted. By the way, when you see these numbers adjusted for inflation, you can also look at the relative strength of Phase 3. Of course, there were more Phase 3 films, but everything kind of came to a crescendo. Of the top 12 Marvel films, seven of them were Phase 3 films, even adjusted for inflation, although Phase 4 got a couple in there, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Only one Phase 1 film was in the top 12 for Marvel, which is The Avengers, and then a couple of Phase 2 films, Avengers Age of Ultron and Iron Man 3. But not a great start for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania domestically. When we look at it worldwide, it is currently at number 26 above the domestic total of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. It is very close to surpassing Thor, but again... The first Ant-Man film made $518.8 million worldwide. I don't even know if Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is going to get to that. So we could be looking at a situation here where Quantumania is the lowest grossing film in the Ant-Man franchise worldwide. And again, that may be even worse news than when you look at the domestic news because it's not just a soft domestic market. It is a soft market worldwide. This is a film that got a release in China. This is also one of Marvel's $200 million budgeted movies. I know 
that some people think that I have like a vendetta against this movie, and I really don't. I mean, first of all, it's a movie that I liked but didn't love, and I also generally am a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but this has been a very interesting thing for me to track. The opening for the film was pretty good. I mean, it was about where people thought it was going to be, and then it has just collapsed since then. This is the, the, the box office story of the year for me thus far. The surprisingly weak performance, not in its first weekend, but in its second, third, and fourth weekend of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So now that we have those franchise trackers out of the way, let's look at the top per theater averages for this past weekend. And for the first time in a while, the top three movies were all movies in wide release. The highest per theater average was Scream 6, which brought in just over $12,000 per theater in each of its 3,675 theaters. Creed 3 brought in $6,800 in each of its 4,007 theaters. And then 65 brought in $3,621 in each of its 3,400 theaters. So if you're a theater owner who had all three of those movies, on average, you brought in about $21,000 this weekend just from those three films. That's not too bad and certainly way ahead of where we've been in many, many months previous. In third place was Hidden Blade from China, which is playing in seven theaters and brought in $2,906 per theater. And then The Trial from Orson Welles. There's a 4K restoration that's been making the rounds. In four theaters, it brought in $2,506 per theater. By the way, while we're talking about per theater averages, which are all about the single theater, I've been highlighting one independent theater on the show for the last couple weeks, and I wanted to do it again this week. I'm not going to promise to do it every week, but so many of you after last week sent me a comments of theaters that I could check out. I have probably about three dozen independent theaters on my list to investigate and put on the show. And the one that I wanted to feature this week, and thank you for sending in those suggestions, by the way, is a really beautiful looking theater called the Bird Theater in Richmond, Virginia. It was built in the 1920s and it's been operating ever since as a movie theater. In 2007, it became a nonprofit committed to the preservation of the theater itself, as well as the movie going experience there. It is listed as a national historic historic landmark and this weekend i mean look at these three movies this weekend you can check out shrek you can check out terminator 2 and you can check out rear window all on the big screen tickets are just eight bucks come on you can't beat that deal this place looks absolutely stunning and i really hope to see it in person someday there aren't a whole lot of theaters left that look like this it is a movie palace the definition of a movie palace you can find the theater's full schedule information about the history of the theater and a donation link if you just want to send them a few bucks it is a nonprofit after all, at birdtheater.org. They spell bird, B-Y-R-D. And if you decide to send a donation or go see a movie at the Bird Theater, as always, tell them Dan sent you. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place to see a movie. I'm not really ever in Richmond, Virginia, or even in Virginia or near Virginia, but if I ever am, the Bird Theater is on my list. So thank you to everybody who sent me in theaters, and stay tuned. Maybe I will talk about the theater that you sent me, and please also keep them coming. Looking at the top films in limited release, so these were movies that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. The Quiet Girl, which was a nominee for Best International Feature, it did not win. It lost to All Quiet on the Western Front, was the highest grossing film in limited release this past weekend. It expanded to 226 theaters to capitalize on the Oscars and brought in $392,000. I actually watched it just this past week and really, really, really enjoyed it. If I'd had a vote to cast for Best International Feature, I think it would have been for The Quiet Girl. I really like this movie, so if you are near one of those 226 theaters that's playing it, get it now before it's gone, because I really don't know, even going into this weekend, 
how many more theaters it's still going to be in. It is worth your time. In second place, the 2023 Oscar-nominated short film, still playing in 295 theaters, bringing in 321000 for a lot of folks that maybe wanted to get the inside track on their Oscar pool. Women Talking, playing in 527 theaters, brought in $186,000. In fourth place, the only new film on the list, Southern Gospel, which was directed at the faith-based market. 600 theaters for $181,919 total. And then Return to Soul, playing in 43 theaters, bringing in $71,000. When we look at the top 10 grocers in limited release this year, and this is since January 1st, no matter when the movies were released, Patan remains number one. A Man Called Auto remains number two for the portion of its release in which it was in limited release. Women Talking moves up to number three. It has now grossed $5.2 million. That drops The Wandering Earth 2 down to number four. The Whales limited release section remains at number five. The 2023 Oscar shorts move up one spot to number six. Living moves down one spot by about $2,000 to number seven. Walter V. Riot is at number eight, 2023's Fears at number nine, and Skinamarink is at number 10. Let's look at the 2023 domestic winter spring box office, which is basically movies that were released this year. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number one with $198.1 million. Creed 3 becomes the second 2023 release to break the $100 million mark. It's at $101.4 million and moves up to number two. Megan looks like it's going to fall just short. It's at $95 million and drops down to number three. Cocaine Bear has broken the $50 million barrier, and it's at number four with $51.7 million, although it looks like it will soon be passed by Scream 6, which enters the chart at number five with $44.4 million. Jesus Revolution moves up three spots to number six with a $39.4 million total 80 for brady drops two spots knock at the cabin drops two spots missing drops two spots and plane drops two spots and dropping out of this list entirely is magic mike's last dance go hump the stage magic mike you've had your curtain call Looking at the 2023 domestic box office, as far as calendar gross, this is all tickets sold this year, no matter when the movie was released. Avatar The Way of Water remains the top ticket seller this year with $273.6 million, and I think it's going to remain so because I do not see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania getting to that level. It is close, though, to the $200 million mark, $198.1 million. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is at $124 million. Creed 3 jumps up two spots to number four with $101.4 million. Megan drops down one spot to number five a man called auto drops one spot to number six with 63.8 million cocaine bears at number seven scream six enters the list at number eight jesus revolution enters the list at number nine 80 for brady drops down two spots to number 10 and knock at the cabin and missing drop off the 2023 domestic box office calendar gross chart Avatar The Way of Water may be at the tail end of its box office reign, but it is still making history, and it actually bypassed another James Cameron film on the all-time domestic grocer list, of course, unadjusted for inflation. Titanic is now the ninth highest grossing film of all time. It has been surpassed by Avatar The Way of Water, which is now at number eight and only about $4 million behind Avengers Infinity War. So we could see it get all the way up there to number seven. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to get to $700 million, but it is still moving up those charts. And, you know, if you would have told me back in 1997 or even maybe even 2007 that Titanic would ever be in danger of dropping off of the all-time domestic grocer chart i would have said you were crazy but you know inflation is crazy the expansion of movie going is crazy the mcu is pretty crazy and the strength of star wars and everything else so titanic now number nine all time domestically when it used to be what seemed like an insurmountable number one 
on that chart. We have so much more to get to, but before we do, I want to thank the sponsor for this week's video, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. You've been hearing about AG1 on the show for a while, and that's because it's now part of my daily routine. And it is hard to get into the routine of taking something like a daily supplement, but AG1 makes it easy because I combine it with something I do every day, which is to eat breakfast. When I make my breakfast shake every day, I include AG1, and it makes me feel like I'm covering my bases right off the bat. The biggest thing it's been helping me with is improved digestion and gut health, but it's also good to know that I'm giving my body so many essential things that it needs. And AG1 was designed to help you live easier and better without having to make a whole lot of big changes. Even if I don't make a shake, I can just grab a scoop of AG1, mix it with some water once a day, and that makes it easy to live my best life. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, and it's delivered right to my door every month, so it's so easy to maintain that daily habit. So if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com Dan. That's athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to check it out. Let's look now outside of the domestic market, which would be the U.S. and Canada, and see what the top five films were internationally in all other markets worldwide, or at least markets where we have box office information. Creed 3, actually, the number one movie of the weekend internationally with $24 million. Scream 6 was right behind at $22.6 million. Post Truth, which is a Chinese film, is in third place with $16.9 million, followed by Revival, another film out of China, with $10.3 million. And rounding out the top five is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum with $9.8 million. So when you take those international grosses, you combine them with our domestic grosses, we get our top five films worldwide for the past weekend. And the domestic and international grosses are enough to make Scream 6 the highest grossing movie in the world for the past weekend, $67 million total. Creed 3 banking another $51.2 million. 65, good enough for $19.5 million worldwide, followed by Post Truth at number four and Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania right behind with $16.9 million at number five. When we look at the 2023 Worldwide Box Office, Full River Red, The Wandering Earth 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Boonie Bear's Guardian Code remain the top four. Creed 3, now the fifth highest grossing film of the year worldwide at $179.7 million and looking to take over Boonie Bear's spot there at number four. Megan drops down one spot to number six. Hidden Blade drops down one spot to number seven. Deep Sea drops down one spot to number eight. Patan stays at number nine. And Chebarashka drops one spot to number 10, looking very soon to sacrifice its spot to either Scream 6 or Shazam! Fury of the Gods. There was also an update that I wanted to note with the 2022 box office worldwide list in a very similar way to how it took many weeks for Puss in Boots The Last Wish to unseat the number 10 domestic grosser of 2022. It took even longer to unseat the number 10 worldwide grosser of 2022, but it has done that because Puss in Boots The Last Wish is now at $462.1 million worldwide, and it has ousted the Chinese film Moon Man for the 10th highest grossing film of 2022 worldwide. So that will leave just one Chinese film on the list for 2022. The rest, all U.S. studio releases and Puss in Boots The Last Wish now going down as the 10th highest grossing film domestically and the 10th highest grossing film worldwide of 2022. What an impressive, impressive run Puss in Boots The Last Wish has had in the beginning of 2023.
This is the part in the show where I like to take a look at a weekend in box office history, but also pay tribute to figures in film entertainment that have left a big mark. And there was one person that I wanted to spotlight this week, and that is the actor known or credited as Topol. His name was Chaim Topol, but he was credited for most of his career as just Topol. And he's probably best known for his performance as Tevya in the film Fiddler on the Roof. He played that part on stage both before and after that film for many, many years, and it is one of those performances that sticks in people's mind. He won a Golden Globe for his portrayal of Tevi. He was also nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. He also appeared in many other films, including some genre hits like Flash Gordon, maybe not hits, but definitely memorable films, as well as an appearance in the James Bond film alongside Roger Moore for Your Eyes Only. But his performance as Tevye is so memorable that that was, of course, the first thing I thought of when I read that he had unfortunately passed away. And it had a bit of a personal connection for me because my uncle, who was very dear to me and who I lost about five years ago, uh, played that role on stage when he was in college. And there was a VHS of it that I used to watch um, when I was a kid. And, you know, I don't know what awaits us on the other side of wherever we are right now. Uh, but I hope that if there is a place where our energies you Unite or whatever you want to call it, that perhaps uh, Topol and my uncle are uh, comparing performance notes uh, for a very memorable role for them both. So uh, Topol, an actor who left a very outsized legacy and a very memorable legacy beyond even just one part, but certainly one of those parts that I think every actor dreams of and for which he will not soon be forgotten. As always, my thoughts go out to Topol's friends, family, and fans. Let's look now at a weekend from Box Office Pass, and we're going to go back to 2010 for a movie that really drafted on the popularity of Avatar, and that is Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, which opened on March 5th through the 7th, 2010, to $116.1 million because they had the foresight to be the first big 3D film to open after Avatar, and boy, did they cash in on that. I always have to remind myself that that is not Elijah Wood on that poster, that it's Johnny Depp. He, he looks so much like Elijah Wood on that poster. Anyway, Alice in Wonderland, one of those movies that I think people now look at uh, the box office for it. It made, you know, a billion dollars worldwide. And they're like, how did that movie make a billion dollars? Well, you know, when Avatar kind of cuts that trail and people are wanting to scratch that 3D itch, they were perfectly positioned to fill that gap. So Alice in Wonderland, the number one film. At number two, a movie that I quite frankly didn't really remember, even though it's from Antoine Fuqua. Maybe I need to check it out. It's called Brooklyn's Finest. It debuted with $13.3 million. At number three is the Martin Scorsese film Shutter Island, starring Leonardo DiCaprio with $13.2 million in its third week of release. At number four, the Kevin Smith film Cop Out, starring Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan, or if you want to read that poster incorrectly, Bruce Tracy and Willis Morgan, $9.2 million in its second week of release. And then at number five, Avatar, the movie that blazed the trail for Alice in Wonderland to open to $116.1 million. It was still in the top five with $8.1 million in week 12, a 40.5% drop off from the week before. But as we always like to do when we take a look at these past weekends, let's hit that inflation button and we see that those numbers go up just a little bit. Alice in Wonderland now debuting to $159.2 million adjusted for inflation. Brooklyn's Finest, $18.3 million. Shutter Island, $18.1 million. Cop Out, $12.7 million. And Avatar, $11.1 million.
Before we go, let's wrap out the show as we always do by looking at what people are watching at home through different streaming services. And we will start with the iTunes store. And we have a number of new films due to the Academy Awards and I think to some earlier releases that are now making their way onto streaming. At number one, no surprise, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's available right now, at least when I was looking at iTunes, only for purchase. So I guess a pretty smart move by A24. Uh, you can't rent it right now, or at least you couldn't when I looked this morning. But it is the number one movie on iTunes. I think people wanted to see what the big fuss was about after it dominated the Oscars on Sunday night. The Whale is at number two. The Fablemans is at number three. At number four is The Ritual Killer, which is a direct-to-streaming crime film starring Morgan Freeman and Cole Hauser. A Man Called Otto is at number five. Missing debuts on the chart, available for purchase at number six. Tar did not win any Academy Awards, but there seems to be a lot of curiosity around it because it's on the chart for purchase and rental at number seven. Women Talking is at number eight. 80 for Brady hits the charts, available for purchase and premium video on demand at number nine and black panther wakanda forever now available for purchase and rental is on the chart at number 10 let's look at the 10 most watched programs on netflix and i measured this by what i call my global merle metric and it generates a number that i call the pfv or potential finished view number i take the total number of hours that a tv show or movie or program has been watched i divide it by its runtime and that gives me the number of netflix viewers that could potentially have finished viewing each program it's just kind of a way to equalize movies and tv shows and at number one is we have a ghost which is performing very well on netflix in its second week a pfv number of 20.2 off of 42.6 million hours watched. That means that 20.2 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing that movie over the week of February 27th to March 5th, which is where these numbers cover. Murdaugh Murders moves up to number two. A lot of interest around this case. It was a big case here in the United States. A PFE of 14.2 in second place. Outer Banks Season 3 comes in third place with a PFE of 11.3, followed by the Netflix movie The Strays with a PFE of 9.05. The debut of Sex Life Season 2 hits the top five with a PFE of 8.52. Tonight You're Sleeping With Me, which is a tawdry romance out of Poland, is at number six with a PFE of 7.85. The Netflix series Triptych is at number seven with a PFE of 7.04. Love at First Kiss, which is apparently also known as RU, which is also apparently known as Eris 2, which is a movie out of Spain, is at number eight with a PFE of 6.83. The Condemned, which is a 2007 Stone Cold Steve Austin movie. No explanation, but it's at number nine with a PFE of 5.44. And speaking of no explanation, RIPD at number 10. Really World, a PFE of 5.27. I thought that we had buried that movie where it belongs, and yet here it is on the top 10 chart for Netflix. You could literally watch anything. There are so many things to watch, and yet RIPD is at number 10. I just don't get it. All right, let's look at the most watched 2023 Netflix programs for the calendar year to date. The top five remains the same. You People, Your Place or Mine, Ginny and Georgia Season 2, Wednesday Season 1, even though it was released way back last autumn, and You Season 4 are numbers 1 through 5. The Pale Blue Eye and Glass Onion are at number 6 and 7. We have a Ghost debuts on the chart, and it's going to be moving up pretty quickly. It's at number 8. Viking Wolf moves down to number 9, and Murdaugh Murders is now also on the chart at number 10. That bumps off Kaleidoscope, the Netflix original series, and Minions, The Rise of Gru. Oh, man. Oh, what a shame. 
Let's take a look now at the most watched movies and shows when it comes to the Nielsen ratings. Now, caveats as always, these are delayed by about a month. They don't measure all devices or all streaming networks, but it's the best that we have for seeing how these different programs and series and services are stacking up against each other in the U.S., which is where these numbers cover. This is for the week of February 6th through the 12th, 2023. And when we look at the most streamed movies, Black Panther Wakanda Forever remains at number one. A close number two was the debut weekend of Your Place or Mine on Netflix with 14.9 million hours watched. Minions, The Rise of Gru is at number three. Lyle Lyle Crocodiles at number four. You People is at number five. I Can Do Bad All By Myself is at number six. True Spirit at number seven. Shotgun Wedding on Amazon, one of only two films that aren't Netflix movies on this list at number eight. Pamela, A Love Story at number nine. And then the Jennifer Lopez vehicle Enough debuts on the chart at number 10. Looking at the most watched streaming shows for February 6th through the 12th, You on Netflix debuted on that week, and it was number one with 28.8 million hours watched. Close behind is New Amsterdam on Netflix and Peacock with 24.4 million hours watched. Then The Last of Us on HBO Max with 18.4 million hours watched. Again, these are just HBO Max app viewers. This does not count linear cable. NCIS on Netflix is at number four. Coco Melon is at number five. Grey's Anatomy is at number six. The Walking Dead is at number seven. Criminal Minds on on its various platforms is at number eight, Bluey is at number nine, and Gilmore Girls, which rotates on and off this chart all the time, is at number 10. This is the chart of the most watched shows when you look at watch time for available episode. This covers the top 20 streaming shows on the Nielsen chart, and you see The Last of Us dominating this chart yet again. This was through five episodes of its run. It just ended its run last night. 3.7 million hours watched per available episode. Poker Face is at number two on Peacock, just over over 1 million hours watched per available episode, and that was through six episodes. Physical 100 on Netflix, also charting highly. 1.01 million hours watched per episode for six episodes. You is at number four with 825,000 hours watched per episode, followed by Wednesday, still in the top five, 743,000 hours watched per episode. Coco Melon's at number six. Lockwood and Company's at number seven. Ginny and Georgia is at number eight. The Great British Baking Show Professionals is at number nine. And the Netflix animated show My Dad the Bounty Hunter cracks the top 10 when we look at watch time per available episode, 343,000 hours per episode for each of its 10 episodes. And that wraps it up for Charts with Dan for this week. It's a very interesting week and weekend coming up as far as your options on streaming and in theaters. It's kind of something for everybody. First of all, starting tomorrow on Apple TV+, Plus, you can catch the debut of the third and I believe final season of Ted Lasso. On Thursday, Netflix premieres the second season of Shadow and Bone. And then on Friday, some movies you can check out in theaters. Of course, Shazam! Fury of the Gods will be opening in wide release. The tracking is not looking great for this film. Will it outperform that tracking? I'll be checking the movie out. I'll be reviewing it here on the channel. Inside, which is not the Bo Burnham special. It's a movie about Willem Dafoe being locked in an art vault. It looks really weird. I think I could love it or hate it. Well, it's opening in limited release this Friday. I don't know how limited. It seems like it should be available in a lot of different markets. Another movie opening in somewhat limited release is A Snowy Day in Oakland, which will also be opening on Friday. Then on Hulu, starting on Friday, you can catch Boston Strangler, which stars Kira Knightley about reporters trying to find the Boston Strangler. On Apple TV+, Plus, you can check out an anthology series about climate change starting on Friday with appearances from Meryl Streep, Edward Norton, Tobey Maguire, David Diggs, Sienna Miller, Kit Harrington, and a lot of other stars. 
I'm sure it'll be very uplifting. And then also on Friday, one of the weirdest shows that I've heard of so far this year, it's a show called Agent Elvis. It was co-created by Priscilla Presley, who was married to Elvis. And it's about Elvis being Elvis, but he's also a secret agent, and Elvis is being voiced by Matthew McConaughey. I think that pure curiosity is going to drive me to check that one out. And that's all I've got for you. As I mentioned, stay tuned right here this week. I'll be reviewing Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I'm also trying to get together a review of the entire first season of The Last of Us, which I finished watching in the wee hours of the morning between when I was done watching the Oscars and before I made the Oscars video. I'm all upside down right now. Day is night. Dogs and cats living together. I'm trying to get right side up, but I'm going to try to also get that season one breakdown to you this week and the review of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And then we've got so much coming up. We are barreling towards some movie season it's hard to believe but thank you all for watching this episode as we track scream and creed and so many other films thank you to my partners carbon health thank you also to my sponsor for this video athletic greens but most of all thank you for spending part of your day with me i'll be back very soon with more movie reviews box office movie news and more until then stay safe and i'll see you next time bye